All right, this is John Johnson, running best coach, Sam Houston State University, Huntsville, Texas, the best running back coach in the country. I let your boy follow me at Coach JJ Enterprise, and you're listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your host, Nee Wallace Bruce, Colbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. BetUS Sportsbook is your ultimate destination for online betting. With sports betting, live betting, racebook, online slots, and online casino. It's available across the U.S. and Canada. Use the code PSP to receive a massive sign-up bonus. Welcome back to the ProSource Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Neewallis Bruce, and I'm flying solo. The other two are somewhere in Toronto and Canada. I'm sure they're but what being well behaved and if not you'll hear about it very soon but i have a very special guest he's joining us from south of the border he's in the football state the state of texas he is the running backs coach at sam houston state and we're going to learn about his experience and more as we get into bowl season we get into the draft process the nfl and for other football leagues it is coach john johnson john how are you doing i'm great man how about yourself Fantastic! It's it's a pleasure to have you on, and I, I always I always enjoy football season. There's always something to to glean from the games each week. John, did you grow up in Texas? Did you grow up in Houston around uh, yeah. where you are now? Yeah, you know what? I, I actually did, man. I was born and raised in Houston, uh, um, and you know, so by age thirteen, uh, I left I left the state. Uh, around age 13, moved to Arkansas, El Dorado, Arkansas. And um, crazy part, man, that's really why I started playing football is in Arkansas, <laughs> you know. So I didn't even – I would, I really wasn't a football dude in Texas. I was on the basketball court, thought I was going to be the next Akeem Olajuwon. <laughs> wow. Kind of uh, got some sense in my head. I, I wasn't growing anymore. And once I moved to Arkansas, which about 20,000 people, I uh, started playing football. Okay. All right, so I'm guessing that makes you a Rockets fan in terms of basketball. Is that right? Oh yeah, man. I'm a, um, I'm I'm loyal and true, man. I love the Rockets. I love the Texans. I love the Astros, man. So even when we got down seasons, I'm still a fan for sure. Okay, all right. I mean, I'm a Yankee fan, but I'm happy. To, <laughs> I'm happy to continue. I'm happy to continue. <laughs> no, I, I was happy for Dusty Baker to see him get a ring after all these years. See him get his. His flowers is a World yeah. Series winning manager. So, and you're a coach yourself. Let me just staying in a similar vein because Dusty had to lift his Astros up from adversity after the uh-huh. scandal and all that, but he got them to victory. Tell us, as a coach, you got you got essentially young kids or young men. Uh, they're probably yeah. going through different things in college, different emotions. And they still have to play football on the weekend. How do you manage that? How do you manage, I guess, mentoring these young men for the future, but also 
maximizing their athleticism for the role of running back? Man, well, that's a great question, man. I tell you, man, in today's time with social media and everything that these kids see on the internet and endure throughout college, man, it, it making it, it's making it tough year in and year out. You know, for me, man, I really try to build that foundation with the, with these guys and have a base relationship outside of football to where that, you know, my door is an open door policy to where they can come in and talk to me any, any given time. And, and oh, I, I really try to do my best to incorporate other things in life uh, that's going on uh, other than just football. And, and I think that gives a lot of guys a, a comfort zone to where if they're going through something, uh, something that they're they not comfortable telling their parents, they can always come in my office and and tell me. You know, I tell everybody that f- these days football is 90% mentoring and 10% football. So I think that, you know, being close with your guys and, and, and having a relationship other than football with them, uh, I think you can kind of get through to them. You'll you, you can, you know, you spend so much time with them to where you can kind of feel the vibes, whether or not they're going through anything. And, and, and sometimes that they have that opportunity to bring those guys in one-on-one and talk to them, but also a relationship to where it's professional to where when we get on the field, and they know it's time to go to work and you can you can get on them and you can push them and you can encourage them and motivate them to continue to excel at a high level, uh, even on the football field. So it is a challenge is very doable, but I think it's a constant communication, always leaving that door open to communicate and check on each other and, and, and make sure everybody uh, continue to stay in the, in, in the right frame of mind. So. Yeah, man, that's a, that's a it's, that's a great question because it's it's really really tough to do in these days and age. Absolutely, and and not just that, but when I look at the the way the NFL views the running back position, it's changed from when I first started to watch the game. When I first got into NFL, it was guys like LT, it was yeah. Adrian Peterson, Chris Johnson, guys who took the rock for nineteen hundred, two thousand yards, no problem. Yeah. Now the game has changed. Maybe it's analytics or maybe just the way the front offices view the position, but it's more about sophisticated positions within the running back unit. So guys yeah. who will take the ball on early downs, guys who are helping out in pass protection, guys who are catching passes from the quarterback. How does that impact your role as, as a coach in college? You know, it really don't from that standpoint, you know, because, you know, everybody's really trying to devalue the running back position especially on the pro level, you know, they even look at those positions as non-premium positions, which as a, as a running back coach, I think we're probably one of the most valuable positions on the football field, you know. So I try to re- relate to my guys and, and, and continue to make them understand that the running back position is so valuable to where other than, I guess, you know, the, the quarterback – we got to know everything that goes on on the football field as far as the runs, the, the passes, and the blocking um, responsibilities. You know, if, you, if I play receiver, I'm, I'm, I'm only worried about running routes and the coverage. Hmm. If I play offense alignment, I'm really just running about, I'm worried about the run game, blocking, and protection. You know, uh, I mean, if you think about it, the running back need to know and have to know every aspect it is of the game, you know, so – 
And I think that's exciting to a lot of guys, especially if you like to compete and you play the running back position, that they like to be incorporated not only in just the run but also in the pass game. But they got to be willing to 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 be tough and physical enough to, to to block as well. So it's a fun position. It's a physical position. And um, I think that, you know, hopefully at the higher level that they don't look at the running back as a, just, a, you know, a non-premium. Because I think it's probably one of the most premium positions on the football field. Yeah, I would have to agree because the the quarterback is obviously help, put on a pedestal. But typically quarterbacks only holding the ball for two or three seconds if they're yeah. passing it no question and, and there aren't that many running quarterbacks on a whole the running back by comparison i would say holds the ball longer than anyone else in the field so yeah. they literally control the game flow so the game is in their hands if you will it, you're right you're right i mean if the running back breaks for an 80 yard run I mean, he has the ball in his hands over for probably over 10 seconds or more, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, I mean, um, you have to just be more than just a ball carrier. But, you know, the running back position, it, it, it have to know it all. You have to understand how you fit in the offense, how you fit in the pass game, you know, where you need to fit in protection. But it's just, like you say, carrying the football, man. You know, I like to tell my guys, carrying the football is the host of the dreams of, of the team. You know, so we got to make sure we take care of it at all times. Absolutely, and, and in saying that, let's let's go to the, I guess the downside of carrying the ball is fumbles, which happen from time to time. Yeah. Now, I mean, I I didn't play football growing up. I did play a little bit of cricket though, so I, I was told that catches win matches. <laughs> what are some of the techniques that you teach your guys in terms of looking after the ball and trying to avoid those drop situations? Uh, you know, for a ball carrier, you know, they got to understand that it's the most precious thing you know, on the football field. I, I tell I tell my guys, like, it needs to be like you're holding a baby, like your baby sister or your baby brother. Like, you can't, you can't, mm-hmm. it, it can't get on the ground, you know. But, you know, I kind of teach like six pressure points of the football, you know, that being your eagle claw, your palm, your, your forearm, your bicep, and your rib cage. But the most important thing that a lot of people don't understand is really the, the the free hand, the off hand. I think that when you understand when you're in traffic covering up the football with your opposite hand and, and applying pressure uh, with the ball to your body, that's what really helps keeps the ball uh, secure. We only had two fumbles this year out of 12 games um, and however many snaps, you know, so that's really, really good. That's that's really good. I've, I've actually – coached in a couple of seasons to where we had zero fumbles nice you know but the, the another key piece to ball security is just emphasizing it and always making sure that we we, we have perfect and great ball security so just continue to remind those guys and because they need to they need to be conscious of it at all times because you know you can't play without the football and if you give up the football it's a great chance you can lose the football game so those, these guys understand that, and uh, you know we, we we drill it, we emphasize it, we we detail it, and uh, you know we try to go out there and, and perform it to the best of our ability. There we go. There we go. Possession is nine tenths of the lore, as a lawyer once told me. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like no, you sir. said, you, you can't win the game without the ball. No sir, not at all. In saying that, the Bearcats depth chart. Do you have fullbacks on that on that chart? I think you know what I'm asking oh, that question. <laughs> you know, people don't even know what a fullback is these days. Mm. <laughs> no, we we actually we don't. 
And, uh, you know, I'm a former fullback myself. I played fullback at Oklahoma State, a little bit of goal line running back. You know, so it kind of hurt my soul that we don't have fullbacks on the raw. So I, th- I think we need to bring them back. You know, we use tight ends in those positions okay. to where, like, we have a fullback in alignment. We can go, you know, a 12 personnel set with two tight ends, two receivers, one back, and uh, put a put an extra tight end where a fullback usually would be at. But, no, we don't have any fullbacks, man. You know, that's it's a sad, it's a sad, it's a sad thing, too. <laughs> oh, that's tough. Because let's go back to last summer, like, it was the big news. It was all about Jonathan Taylor, um, yeah. Derek Henry, all these guys were on this Zoom meeting about you know, the death of the running back. Running backs need to get paid. I'm thinking, what are the fullbacks? What about you know the guys like Kyle Juszczyk and um, yeah, KB with with the Bears? Yeah, yeah. The, the guys yeah. from way back. Um, I think of the guy from New Orleans back in the day. His name escapes me right now. But in any case, yeah, the fullback. We're gonna bring that back because yeah, he has a role. Oh man, it got a, it got a significant role, man. I tell you, when I was at South Dakota State, man, we used to fullback, and I think Pierre Strong, he loved the fullback in front of him, uh, blocking a lot of times, man. I think he just add value. He could do, it. And, and you know, you could just it just add value to your offense. You know, you can kind of open things up a little bit more and kind of use fullbacks in in certain ways that you can't really use tight ends or you know big receivers. So I, I love back. I love fullbacks, but you know, like. You know, Jonathan Taylor and all those guys, man, I understand where they're coming from, man. They got a good point because the running back position, you can say what you want, but those guys get banged up a lot. Mm-hmm. They're pounding them, their bodies. They're throwing their bodies into line of scrimmages and into defenders, you know, every single play, you know. So it's crazy to me, man, that we ain't really trying to uh, pay those guys and I mean, like like Jonathan, he's a really, really good running back. So, mm-hmm. you know, those guys are making a, the way more than the average person. But you know, what those guys do and uh, how those guys perform on a weekly basis, man, it's a, it's crazy that we are trying to devalue that position. Absolutely. Now, now talking about payment, I know you're allowed to comment on this, but how do you feel about NIL now being a thing as a former player? Man, you know, um, I have mixed feelings about the NIL. I think that it definitely has got out of control. I think it is, a, you know, the universities make so much money off football. Not a Sam Houston, but, you know, like the University of Georgia, Oklahoma State, whoever. You know, they make so much money off football. I think it is a – it should be a plan that these young men earn something. But with the structure of NIL, what, what structure? You know, it's mm-hmm. no structure. Mm-hmm. I think it's it, 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 it's really starting to uh, mess up the game, in my opinion, man. I think you get a lot of guys that just really want to get paid about the money, and and I get it. But also, you don't really have those old school cats that just love the game of football, mm. and and you get in guys that just like likes and want to be on social media and want to buy, you know, materialistic things. Um, so, you know, man. I got a hard deal with the NIL and, you know, even with the transfer portal, because to me, they go hand in hand right now with how things going in the uh, in the football world. I think those guys should get paid something, but I think it needs to be capped and generalized to where, you know, the quarterback is not getting six hundred thousand dollars and the running back is getting fifty fifty dollars. You know, and he, right, right, right. You know, it, it, I think it should be even across the board. You know, we all coming in. 
at the same time, going to the same meetings, uh, preparing for the game the same way, practicing the, you know, it's like, it's, it's the quarterback is the most important position on the football field. However, but I think you can, you can, you're going to ruin, you can ruin the locker room for one, and you can really mess up the game of football for what it used to be and what it, what it always been to us, you know? So it's a hard deal. I mean, for, from a, from a, a former player, now current coach that I went to school on a full ride scholarship. I got a Pell Grant. I was happy. You know, mm-hmm. I, I thought I was on top of the world. <laughs> you know, yeah. no, I probably got a, like a five hundred dollar stipend a month. You know, to to do whatever we wanted to do. I, I thought we was good, but man, these, these kids they want more. Uh, they demanded more, and I think if we don't really get a grab of this deal, it's it's really gonna go down the wrong path uh, and to me it's already going down the wrong path yeah i mean i'll level with you i do think the, the uh old college athletes need to get paid for what they put themselves through the rigors they, they, they definitely should get something for that but like you do say i think the the big blue dot ncaa they they probably did let the cat out of the bag the horse has bolted and they can't really get it back in so yeah, no question uh, <laughs> it is going to be interesting to see how they regulate, if you will. Yeah, I, I don't know how. I mean, at this point, it, it's it's going to be really, really tough to regulate that that stuff. Now, in saying that, you did bring up an interesting point because you mentioned that you play for the love of the game. Right. One, one thing I get the sense of in North America, especially, is that maybe this is on parents, but a lot of kids are being pushed into sports. In yep. Canada, especially, it's like. You got to play hockey because you you're going to be pro. It's yeah. not necessarily the kid wanting to play hockey or even wanting to be pro, but they seem to be pushed down this path. Is that similar in in Texas with football? You, you oh, feel yeah, like no, no, yeah? no, no doubt, no doubt, man. I think you got a lot of parents trying to live through their kids for one, and now that the parent is started getting more educated on NIL, the parents are really pushing the 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 um they they are really driving the car of what kids do and how they do it. You know, they they get these kids these extra training that they, they don't need, extra footwork drills that they you know, they don't need, extra weight lifting because they they want these kids to to get that big paycheck when it gets to that NIL deal. So, oh yeah, you have a lot of that, man, goes on and I think you can burn the kid out really really quick, you know, um to me, man. My parents didn't do that to me, you know. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they introduced me to the sport but they let me do what I wanted to do with it. And at the end of the day, it was my choice to, to fall in love with the game or not. I like that. I like that. So we have a, we have a number of young people that listen to the show and probably a lot of people in and around where you are down in Houston. Oh, sweet. What, what are some words of advice you pass on to, to young athletes, particularly those that, that may not be loving the game? Or how do you remind them to play for the right reasons? Yeah, I think... It's going to be so many different opportunities in life to really uh, be successful. You know, sports is not the only thing in life to be successful. I think that young kids need to find a niche. You know, they, they need to find a niche that's w- what makes them go, what makes them want to do what they want to do and they love it, you know. And, and, and at the end of the day, not only love it, but be a difference maker in whatever they're doing. And I think in life, man, I think you should always look at how can you make somebody else's life better. And if you if you play in a sport or you play in the violin 
and you really, really good at it, maybe you can give back to a younger person and kind of show them the way as well. So I think that whatever you do, try to find a way to be a difference maker in doing that and, you know, and, and try to help change the world, you know, for the better. But do things that you love, do things that, that that's going to that's going to bring change to the world and, and everything else will work out on its own. You know what I'm saying? I think that you don't have to uh, do nothing spectacular. It, it's just really getting up every day, putting two feet on the ground, being thankful for where you're at and giving it all you got every single day. All right. So get up, show up and never give up. That's it. There we go. There we go. Now, Coach John, you're a man. Yes, sir. You might be forty. <laughs> you mentioned <laughs> OSU. You mentioned OSU, so I'm gonna ask. What was it like playing under Coach Gundy? <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming, man. <laughs> uh, you know, Gundy. You know, Gundy got the the job when he was 37. Man, I was a uh, I was a freshman in college when he got the job, going on my second semester. So Gundy was still young, man. He had he still had a lot of juice. He was still, you know, kind of very relatable to what was going on in society. But it was good. It was good playing for Gundy. Gundy surrounded himself with some really good coaches uh, on that staff that that made it enjoyable to uh, walk in the building and to be around the coaches, to be around the staff, and you know, just really play football, man, and, and work hard, man. So. I tell everybody this, man, that's the best four years of my life playing at Oklahoma State. Won't change it for the world. If I can go do it again, man, I'd give it one more year if I could for sure. Nice. And were you at OSU when he had that infamous rant? Yep, I was. I was. <laughs> I was I was at OSU. I was the starting forward back at the time. Uh, it was unbelievable seeing it on TV repeatedly <laughs> every single day after that. And uh, I, I get reminded about that pretty much everywhere I go. So, I mean, it's a, it's a staple at this point. <laughs> yeah, I, I can definitely attest to that. Like, um, I, was, I, grew up, I grew up in Australia, and that was one of the first videos I saw of college football was that, that Mike Gundy <laughs> rant. So it's <laughs> kind of cool that you were, you were pretty close to that. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was sitting right in there. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow. The funny part about it that, uh, I think the next day after it happened, we had a team meeting, and Gundy came in and say, uh, "Whatever." I think he said something like, "Whatever you you hear on TV, don't believe it." Something like that, and that was the end of it. That's the only thing he said, pertaining to that situation. So uh, it was crazy. Nice. So, so riddle me this. Yeah, you're the running backs coach. Do you have like, a, do you have, I guess, influences from other coaches that you've you've worked under or played under? Oh, yeah, 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 um, for sure. I mean, I think a big influence of mine, you know, right now is, um, well, he, he was running back coach with the Chicago Bears, um, David Walker. Um, I think he's phenomenal mm-hmm. in what he do, how he teach. You know, strange thing happened up there in Chicago. He's no longer with those guys. But we keep in touch, you know, pretty regularly. Even before I went up there, I did an internship with those guys this summer. Even before I went up there this summer, we was in contact you know, pretty regularly. So he's a big influence of mine. Curtis Looper at uh, University of Mizzou. He 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 actually uh, coached me at Oklahoma State. You know, he's been a really uh, influential, influential uh, guy in my life from a football standpoint. But I tell you, you know, John Stigemeyer, he was the former head coach at South Dakota State, just won a national championship and retired. 
after 35 years at South Dakota State, man, uh, I think he's probably the most influential guy in my life. How he ran his program, how he loved his players, how he loved his coaches, how he loved his wife, you know, how he loved Christ. Hmm. It really um, showed me that, you know, you don't have to be a raw, raw guy or a guy that's, that's hollering and cussing and, and acting crazy hmm. 24-7 to really get your players to play for you or get your coaches to coach hard for you. Um, I think you can do it the right way and you can respect people doing it and you can have fun doing it and still win a lot of football games. Um, so I try to I try to reach out and communicate with my mentors, you know, on a weekly basis because you always got to have that ground, hmm. that grounded, you know, factor in your life to uh, to have somebody you can lean on for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, just staying in a similar vein, you also, in addition to being a running back coach, you also have a couple of other hats that you wear. You're the offensive recruiting coordinator for the mm-hmm. team and you're the NFL liaison. So tell us a little bit more about those roles and what how, what those look like. Yeah, so uh, the, the offensive recruiting coordinator, you know, these days in Asian recruiting is more so independent recruiting. It, we kind of got away from, like, uh, staff. You know, uh, we still communicate with one another. But, you know, as the – as the offensive recruiting coordinator for, for for Sam Houston, I pretty much just manage, you know, who's who, you know who we're recruiting, you know, what are we doing that week for certain guys as far as like writing letters, uh, Snapchatting dudes, inviting guys to games, and 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 just just staying on the coaches about communicating, you know, with with, with their players and and setting up weekly calls for the head coach and the offensive coordinator to talk to certain guys we don't offer it on the offensive side of the ball, so. Uh, that's basically what it is. Uh, just, just, just trying to have a, a organization standpoint from the offense. Uh, the NFL um, liaison, pro liaison. I pretty much uh, in in communication daily with the NFL per- personnel about our players, but our uh, you know our upcoming uh, draftable uh, players is coming out. You know, so uh, what I do is. These guys have come in throughout the year, and uh, we sit down and we talk, and uh, we talk about the good, the bad, the ugly uh, mm-hmm. with these young men. Uh, I pretty much give them everything they need to know. Um, I try to help these young men get into all-star games. Um, that's going to help prolong their career and uh, give them the best shot they can uh, to go to the NFL. But it's a really cool role, man. I, I, I really enjoy it. A lot of people don't like it because it is time because so many take away from your daily, daily do this with your program, but I'm a people's person, man. So uh, I love to communicate. I love to meet guys. I love to uh, try to help these young mans uh, and, 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 and in that endeavors of going forward in the future. So, man, it's, 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 it's really a, it's really a fun role for me, man. I, I can tell you, I met, I done met so many cool people uh, in the football family, in, in the NFL football family, man, that we, I mean, to this day, man, we still keep in contact just about anything, not even about football no more. I mean, it's, it's a relationship that's built outside of the of the business, and, and that's what you love about it, man. I think when you can take the good out of everybody you meet, man, nine times out of ten, you will be a good dude or a good, good person at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I hear that. Always take out the good, and um, you'll always, yeah, life will be better for it. No question. Now, in, in saying that, through your roles, you've coached, Coach P.S. Strong, who you mentioned, and also Isaiah Davis. Now, those yeah. guys, they racked up some serious numbers in yeah. college. What are some of the attributes that 
you saw in them that allowed them to, to reach their full potential? What did they bring to the table that made them such great running backs in college? You know, uh, Pierre, he was a guy that was um, – he was a little bit of – he was under-recruited, and he was he grew up in a rough neighborhood. A lot of guys probably – a little nervous to go where he stayed, to be honest with you. Okay. <laughs> but, um, you know, he was a guy that can really put his foot in the ground to get north-south quickly. And, you know, I never seen a running back do it so naturally and so ease the way Pierre did it. You know, Pierre won a, he won a powerful guy, but he was a slasher. You know, he can get in and out his cuts through the line of scrimmage. He had really, really good hands out the backfield. Uh, so he was a, he was a mismatch. For, for linebackers, and, and and just the way he uh, approached the game. You know, I love Pierre, man. Pierre didn't really love school, but he loved football. Mm-hmm. And Pierre would study the game like no other, man. Even before before I met with those guys at the beginning of the week to break down the upcoming opponent, Pierre would already have watched three or four games on the up, upcoming opponent and already knew the information I was giving him. That's how much he loved the game. And what that that's that that helped separate him to where he's at now uh with, with the Cleveland Browns. So um he's a special dude within himself. Isaiah Davis was uh man even as a freshman he approached the game differently. He's so mature. He was 18 years old, but you would have thought that he was a 25 year old pro just the way he approached the game, the way he practiced. Uh, his work ethic was unmatched. Uh, he would leave practice and go over to the rec center and lift weights after a full practice. He just was built different. Mindset was different. He was always hungry and want more. He was eager to learn. And man, he just he, he and it showed up. It showed up on tape. Um, he was he he him and Pierre they they complement each other very well. When I was there with those guys in South Dakota State, Pierre was more of the slasher and Isel was more of the power. But Isaiah had enough speed as well to go the distance, too. So, man, I enjoy and coach those guys, man, two of my favorite dudes. And it's crazy, man. I talk to those guys pretty regular as well. Again, man, that's that's the relationship. That's the that's the mentorship you try to have with these young men, because if you if you don't have a relationship with these guys outside of football, you're going to have a four year relationship with those guys. That's why they in college. And, uh, and and I try to make it to where we have a, a lifetime relationship. So, man, I've been blessed to coach some uh, phenomenal young men, but I, I've been really blessed, man, just to be around some really, really good people. So those guys are very special, man. They're they very dear to my heart. It's a beautiful thing. I love that. Now, just quickly, you mentioned the, the draft and how you liaise with the NFL. Uh-huh. Are there any players coming out of Sam Houston we should watch out for for 2024? Yeah, I think Trevor Williams is a, a really good player. Trevor, he don't have the size that everybody's looking for at linebacker. He's 5'8", and it's crazy. And I was crazy me saying this. He's 5'8", by 205, 210, but he's an animal. I mean, he just – he's leading all FBS right now in solo tackles. And he just in the last game he he broke the all time record tackler for Sam Houston, four year captain, does everything right, a dude that you want to uh, you want your daughter to marry, nice. just an outstanding young man, you know. So I, I'm I'm actually pushing him right now. I think he'll end up in All Star game. 
probably the CGS All-Star game. I don't know for sure yet, but talking to the the, um, the dude that run that, sound like he's going to get in. But um, Trevor Williams, man, number one for Sam Houston would be a guy to look, 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 look out for, man. And I really hope he get the shot that he deserves. There we go. Now, I've always had an interest in the defensive side of the ball, so it's interesting that you raise Mr. Williams. Now, do you work closely with the linebacker room, given that the crossover between the two groups? You know, um, myself and the linebackers coach, we would get together during fall camp and do some crossover work to where running backs and linebacks would go against each other. We do that pretty often, like in the spring spring ball and the fall camp. But, you know, once the season starts, we don't really have time to do it. But, no, I mean, other than that, that's the only time I really, you know, get together with defensive uh, players and coaches. But being the pro liaison, I do pretty much communicate with the entire team as far as guys coming out for drafts and stuff like that. So, Cool. Now, this one might be just outside of your wheelhouse, but I'm going to ask anyway. Do you have a liaise with the CFL at all? CFL? Mm. You, you say, do we have any guys in the CFL? Or do you do you ever get, like, uh, the CFL teams reaching out to you oh, for yeah, info? Oh, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, pretty much the uh, – uh, the, the, um, I, I got it right on the tip of my tongue. I can't get it out. What's the one start with the E? The um, Ex- Eskimos, not the Eskimos. Yeah, Edmonton Elks, yeah. Yeah, they, they reach out to me all the time. Um, Hamilton? Yep, the Tiger Cats. Yep, they they reach out. No, I I've I've have had some some CFL personnel that reach out to me, man. And I think, you know, we have a ton of guys that probably can play over in the CFL. And now with the XFL that's coming up, we probably have a lot of guys in that as well. But, you know, it's funny, man. I was talking to a guy, and you probably know their name. That that was that was a pretty pretty good receiver uh, in the CFL, Darius Bowman. Mm-hmm. That's a really good friend of mine. We played at Oklahoma State together. Nice, but yeah, man, I think I think I think these guys, man, can go over there, man, and play. But I know they got certain rules and stuff, and they got to carry so many Canadians. Mm. Uh, but I think it's another option for these guys to, to continue to play play ball. That's the thing, and I, I definitely see a lot of similarities between the college game and the Canadian game in terms of the the pace and the way it's structured. So. For me, it just seems like a seamless transition, so it makes perfect sense. No doubt. No doubt at all. Now, John, have you had fun today? Uh, man, it was great, man. Yeah, this, this was awesome. I really I really enjoyed it. Excellent. I've definitely learned a lot. I know our listeners would have learned a lot. Just a quick one before we let you go. When I'm down in Houston, what am I eating? Because I, I want to make sure I get this right because I like, like, I like food, okay? So when I get down to okay. Houston, Texas... What am I eating and why? Like, what's the main thing I need to be eating down there? Yeah, so when you come to Houston, man, you're going to go out Almeida Road, man. You're going to hit Third Ward, okay? Mm-hmm. And you're going to hit the Turkey Leg Hut. Okay. Get turkey Leg Hut, everything goes. You get anything you want from the top to the bottom. <laughs> All right. If the Turkey Leg Hut, man, is a staple of Houston, I mean, you'll be, you'll be surprised how many people come from out of town just to go to the turkey leg hut mm-hmm. uh you got to get there in a decent amount of hour you can't go on the weekends if you're really trying to go and get in and out you don't go on a saturday nor a sunday you have to go probably during the week you know probably lunchtime or something like that because that place get pretty crowded pretty quick but it's 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 
it's, it's, it's great food. It's great people. It's a great vibe. I don't know those. I don't know the owners personally, but if anybody asks me, first place I'm going to eat, I'm going to Turkey Leg Hut in Houston. For sure. Okay, I gotta get this right. I, how do I spell it? So it's T. T U R K E Y L E G Turkey Leg Turkey Leg Hut H U T. Okay. All right. Let me. You can find them on IG, and you can scroll through it, and you're gonna be absolutely amazed. <laughs> I look forward to that. Now, you, speaking of IG, where can the good people find you on social media? You know, they can find me at Coach JJ Enterprise. And, and you'll see you, you you can find me on there. You can you can catch me. I usually try to post every now and then. But yeah, Coach JJ Enterprise, look me up. Fantastic. And as always, you can find our show at, at pro.sports.podcasters. I've been your host, Neil Wallace Bruce. Thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't already and leave a nice review because Kobe and Justin, they need to see nice things said about them. It helps them to sleep at night. awesome John thank you for your time thanks for tuning into the podcast for even more of your favorite sports content be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com on our website you will find our sports blog full podcast library access to our YouTube channel and deals from our affiliate partners you can also sign up to become a PSP insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips sponsor giveaways and insider newsletter so don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasters experience where no sport is left behind